I'm all in because I truly, my family, my son, is a living example of what nurturing in a Christian environment can do when it's truly authentic, when people are truly transparent, when people um, really mean what they say. Without the community and being connected um, through Parkview and the people there, I would not be where I am today. That's, I wouldn't be, there's no way. It is about relationship. It is about relationship, 100% across the board. You can have the most knowledge, you can have all the right Bible verses, you can have everything. It is about relationship. And we're really encouraged when we see God working among us and the, the hearts that are being restored and grace. You know, they, there's an emphasis on God's grace and how there's, it's like, you know, it's unmerited, but we get to, we get to be restored. We get to be healed. Well, I have a new family. It's a church family. Uh, the people at church to me now are like my family, my brothers and sisters that I never had before. And I just feel like it's like unbelievable. It's like a miracle in my life because these are people that actually care about me, like a real family. And um, I also knew that, you know, you don't go off on your own and tell God, come follow me. You see where God is working and you join him in that. Yeah, I've just had so many experiences and whether it's through sickness, through domestic violence, through being a single parent, being unemployed, living on welfare, all those things, and, and I can speak to every one of them. It's, um, it's God. What has God done to show that he is all in for Darcy? He brought us to Parkview for a purpose. I think that the biggest thing was we went for my son, and Dominic and I, my husband Dominic and I, were totally fed. For me, church just became extremely relational when we went to Parkview. Whether it's a, a sermon that Ray is delivering on Sunday, or a small group, where now it becomes very personal. And I know that he's, that he's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful in the future. And so when we see the finger of God working among us, you know, it's, it's like, it's good to be in that place. It's good to be uh, a part of it. You know, God makes my life make sense, that's for sure. Um, just everything I'd gone through, and it wasn't pretty. You know, I'll be honest, I, went, I, I had a, a very rough upbringing. God has changed all of that. And I, I just want to give back, I just, and I really do. My life today, because God went all in, is about God. And I'm so grateful. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? You good? Why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles, if you have them, to uh, the New Testament, a book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And uh, as you've already been told, and just in case you're a guest, just so you understand, we're, we're in this series. Really, it's more than a series. It's an overall church initiative called All In. And we, we're, we're exploring the idea of responding individually and corporately to all that God has done for us because we've said it over and over again, and it's true. God has gone all in for us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in, loving, giving, sacrificing, rescuing, indwelling, empowering us for life, calling us to mission. 
And uh, in fact, one of the last things that Jesus said to his followers is recorded here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we've read this before. I'll read it again. He said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Essentially, Jesus was saying, you'll be my witnesses locally, regionally, and globally. History tells us that's exactly what happened. The Spirit came with power upon believers in Jerusalem and subsequently um, through their, their message and their ministry, their love, their service, their generosity, the church grew in numbers, um, spiritually impacting not only their community, but uh, their culture, the entire empire, and eventually the world, which again is, is why this written record um, of the early church is called the book of Acts, not the book of ideas or nice wishes or good thoughts but, or good intentions, but the book of Acts. And so it's important we keep in mind that our experience here at Parfview is really nothing more than the continuing outplay of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You know, we're, we're just a group of committed Jesus followers who, who understand that our mission right here and now hasn't changed from when, when Jesus first explained it. And how together, you know, by way of God's power at work and through our acts of love and teaching and sacrifice and generosity and serving the world around us, we are the witnesses to and the messengers of God's grace. Now, over the last several weeks, you've heard a lot about All In, uh, our local, regional, and, uh, and global initiatives. If you're a guest with us and so you, you're not really sure what that means, you can pick up one of our brochures in the back or you can go online and go on our website and just click All In and, and it'll explain it to you and there's media and all kinds of stuff. Hopefully, you'll find it helpful. Um, but I'm not going to revisit all that with you again I know my wife is really happy about that because we, I've been talking about it for, uh, for a long time, over a year actually, and uh, the elders have been talking about it, the staff's been talking about it. In January, we talked to our members about it. In March, uh, we talked to the entire church about it. In April, we had a concert of prayer focusing on these initiatives, and recently, oh, since mid-August, we've been talking even more about it in various venues, uh, and so for me, I'm just ready to actually do something, you know, to take action and to press ahead. And today begins the, the action part of All In. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, you know, as I've looked forward to this moment, um, life for me has been particularly, uh, I guess you could say, intense. Because um, I don't take this lightly. You know, I realize, I realize what I'm asking all of you who call Parfu home. I'm, I realize what I'm asking you to do. I understand the financial commitment that I'm asking you to make with me. Uh, in order to have a greater spiritual impact on our world. And, and I realize it's no easy thing. It's no little thing. And so as I've prepared for and prayed about today, there, there are just two words that have continued to come to mind and sort of haunted me over the last several months. The first is um, the word life. Um, since the beginning of this series, which is what, just six weeks, uh, over a period of, of five weeks, over five weeks, uh, some close friends of mine have been diagnosed with life-threatening illnesses. And I've officiated the funerals of two friends. And I, I, don't, I don't mean to be, you know, intentionally morbid this morning. Because what we're embarking on here as a church is, is, is really pretty exciting. And we should all be um, thrilled and happy and celebrating what God is doing in and through his church here. And, and just be humbled and honored to be part of it. I know I certainly am. But... I got to tell you, the last few weeks have reminded me uh, in a number of ways about just how about fragile and brief life is. 
In the New Testament, James writes to Christians in the church, he says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The writer of Hebrews says, people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. Here's my Reiki summary. Life is really short, it's brief. And you and I have one one shot at living it well. You know, one opportunity to decide what and who we will serve and commit our time to and our efforts and our money and all these things. And really, that's the, that's the driving thesis of Dr. John Piper's book, Risk is Right, Better to Lose Your Life Than to Waste It. And I've quoted this book over the last few weeks because it's had an impact on me. Uh, Piper's a well-known pastor, a theologian, uh, author of a number of books. And, and in, in this particular one, he argues that as Christians, we should be absolutely tenacious in pursuing our mission in the world, the mission God has given us. And we should move forward with God-sized vision. We should be fearless in life. Even in the face of risk, we should be fearless because we realize that in Christ, death brings reward. And so Piper asserts that in, the light, in light of uh, the world's desperate need for God, he says retreat is undeniably wrong. He writes, if our single, all-embracing passion is to make much of Christ in life and death, and if the life that magnifies him most is the life of costly love, then life is risk and risk is right. To turn from it is to waste your life. Now just so you know, uh, Piper isn't the only Christian author, theologian, calling the church to risk, calling the church to sacrifice, to mission. Uh, Dr. Owen Strachan has published this, this uh, book just recently called Risky Gospel. Uh, you can't see it, but he has up there, abandon fear and build something awesome. And uh, the premise of his book is that risking for God isn't really risking at all because in God we have everything and lose nothing. He says, God doesn't want his people to be fearful, but faithful. He's not trying to cool us down, but heat us up. Yet biblical faith isn't reckless or careless. It is trusting, confident, and fearless because it is grounded in almighty God. Listen, as Christians, um, the big question for us revolves around how we will spend uh, our time on earth, how we're going to spend our energy, you know, our gifts, our money. And I've thought a lot about it, and um, I realize just like you, I've got one shot at life, that's it. Uh, no guarantees how long. One shot. I want to live it well. I want to leave a spiritual imprint, if you will, on my world. And I want my time here on this planet, uh, however long or short it is, to be, to be meaningful, to be purposeful, to, to be honoring and pleasing to God. Because in the end, you know, ultimately, it's his opinion what matters most. And when I stand before him, which we all will and give an account, when I stand before him, I want to hear God say, well done. Not well done, good thinker of theology, or well done, good singer of worship tunes, or well done, good reader of Christian books, or well done, good church attender. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful servanthood requires sacrifice. And that's the second word that's been haunting my mind recently, sacrifice. You know, I think most of us in this room today are fully aware of, the, of Christ's sacrifice for us. I mean, we talk about it all the time, we sing about it, we teach it, we recall it every month when celebrating communion. But what about the sacrifice of Jesus' earliest followers? You know, in 44 AD, Herod Agrippa ordered James the Greater to be beheaded. 
He was the first apostle to be martyred. Matthew was killed by the sword in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged by horses through the streets of Alexandria, Egypt, and killed. Philip was tortured and crucified in 54 AD. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. James the Just was clubbed to death in Jerusalem. Jude was crucified in Edessa in 72 AD. Simon the Zealot crucified in Syria in 74 AD. Thomas was pierced with a spear and burned alive in India. Peter was crucified upside down. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was stoned to death and beheaded. Paul was beheaded by Nero. Luke was hanged on a tree in Greece. And really, you know, the, the, the Apostle John is the only disciple of, of Jesus to die of natural causes. In 64 AD, the widespread persecution of all Christians, anyone who called themselves a Christian, not just the leaders, but everybody, uh, that persecution began, and it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And the early church leader, Tertullian, wrote uh, in 197 AD in his book, he's, in the, the Apology, he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Translation, the willing sacrifice of early Christ followers was a testimony to the truth and power of the gospel and, and the catalyst for church growth and spiritual impact. The total number of, of those martyred because of faith is unknown, but um, most scholars agree that more Christians have been martyred over the last 50 years than in the, the first 300 years of the church's existence. All around the world, even today, uh, followers of Jesus are called to make the ultimate sacrifice, to give their lives because of Jesus. It seems to me that every Christian in the 21st century American church should read this book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a, it's a history of Christian persecution. All of us should periodically uh, check persecution.org or opendoors.org. Both websites track and provide up-to-date news and information on Christian persecution around the world. You know, why, why read the book? Why, why check the websites? Because I think understanding not only the, the history of, but the current reality of persecution serves, at least for me, as a reality check that puts the majority of our problems, our concerns, into perspective. It redefines risk, and it sets the standards for sacrifice and forgiving. I mean, by comparison, you know, many of our risks seem tame, and sacrifices less than painful. And yet Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and pastor who struggled to follow Jesus in the midst of Nazi rule in World War II. And during that time, he authored one of the greatest books of the 20th century. The title of the book was the, is The Cost of Discipleship. And uh, in the book, he wrote that the first call of every Christian is the call to abandon the attachments of the world. And really, the entirety of his book is summarized in this one sentence. Bonhoeffer writes, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And Bonhoeffer is right. And there's a part of me that believes, you know, as Christians, we won't fully come alive in our faith until we die to ourselves. We won't really find ourselves until we lose ourselves in the cause of Christ. 
I mean, that seems to be what Jesus taught. I mean, he, he taught something that is just counterintuitive to us as human beings, namely that the, that, um, the, the, the way of, um, of self-fulfillment, the key to self-fulfillment is self-denial. And, you know, the sinful, selfish part of me has a very strong and negative reaction to that idea, the idea of personal denial. It's a hard thing to really think about, let alone actually do, especially living uh, in a nation of luxury and excess. As Americans, we don't, let's face it, we don't just tolerate indulgence, we, we elevate it, we celebrate it, but the problem with, with indulgence is that enough never seems enough. And the more that we have, the more we want food, possessions, money. And in many cases, ironically and sadly so, the more we have, the less we enjoy and the more empty we feel. But here's what I know. God does not call all his people to martyrdom, but he does call us all to sacrifice. And it's not until we go all in with and for God that we discover the joy, the true joy found on the sacrificial side of living out our faith. And so for me, all in represents another opportunity to respond to the grace of God in my life and, and, and to his call to sacrifice. And again, uh, in comparison to what some Christians experience today and the price many are paying, what I'm willing to do seems as nothing. But I remember that you know, when Jesus told Peter that he was going to be martyred, Peter looked around the room, he looked at John, and he said, well, what about him? And Jesus said, don't you worry about him. You worry about yourself. You follow me. We're each responsible to our response to, 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 to God, to Jesus. And all this to say is, look, life is brief. It really is. And I know God calls me to sacrifice. And all in is one way for me and my family to do it. And I don't know, I don't know how God is calling you to sacrifice, but I know that he is. The question is, how do you respond? Look, there is no mistaking it. You, Christians, Christ followers, the church, you are God's plan A for the world. There is no plan B. And what's happening here at Parkview among us, it, you know, is, it's exciting, it's humbling, it's messy, it's, it's daunting, it's fun, it's hard, it's inspiring, it's complex, it's costly, it's risky, it's all the above. But that's the way it's always been from the very first day of the church's existence. But Jesus said to his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses locally, regionally, and globally. You know, I've mentioned this before, but one of the, one of the hardest parts of being a pastor is not, is not the busy schedule, it's not, it's not the challenging decisions, it's not dealing with critics, the hardest part is knowing that God has called us to a mission, to do something spiritually significant in our world, knowing that we have the resources to do it. We've got the people, the time, the gifts. We have the money. And we have God himself on our side. The only thing that stands between us and accomplishing what God is leading us to do is our willingness to commit, our willingness to sacrifice, our willingness to risk and go all in. Today the time has come for us to make our all-in commitment and um, I want to thank all of you who for the sake of our world um, are willing to join me and my family in doing just that. 
to sacrificially give toward making a serious spiritual difference in the lives of men, women, students, children, both here and around the world. I'm going to invite our, our band to come forward, uh, come back up on the stage with me. And, um, you know, we've been anticipating uh, and talking about this moment for several weeks. And because our, our ultimate goal is really to have everyone who calls Parkview home participate, 100% all in. Uh, we've encouraged each of you, as Dave mentioned, to, to pray, to ask God what, is he, what it is he would have you to do in terms of financial giving, to listen to what God has to say, and then just do it. Take a risk, make the sacrifice, and do it. And uh, we've provided um, these, um, these prayer cards uh, over the last several weeks for you uh, on which you can indicate what you're giving and, and what you're going to be doing over the next two years. And so uh, I know that um, many of you have filled them out and brought them with you. Uh, make sure that uh, you filled it all out. Uh, you know, make sure you check where, where you are on the giving ladder and what, what this has meant for you. I think that's important to, to note. Uh, others of you um, uh, maybe need a, uh, ha- don't have a card, maybe you need one, but you should find one in one of the chair uh, pockets around you. And so, um, and you might need some time to, to, uh, f- to fill it out. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to do it very similarly to, to how the early church did it in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5. Because it, the, the text tells us that w- one day when all the believers were together, uh, they were all in one. They were all one in heart and mind. And the text says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that together they brought their financial offerings forward and put it at the apostles' feet. Now we don't have any apostles, okay? So, uh, but the idea of coming forward uh, together, one in heart and mind, uh, offering our cards together, seems like a just seems like an appropriate biblical way to do it. So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to pray. And the band is going to lead us in some music. And when each of us is ready, when each of us is ready, we can just, we can just fold our card, uh, bring it forward, uh, bring it to the front, and place it in one of our all-in offering boxes, and then just return to your seat. And look, I realize I might get a little chaotic with people coming and going, coming and going, but that's okay. Just excuse yourself. Come on out. Come on down. But I want you, know, I want you to make this commitment when you're ready. I mean, you can sit and pray for a couple minutes. You can, uh, you can just sing along with the music for a couple minutes. Um, but when you're ready, you can come. You can come as an individual, as a family, as a couple, however you want to do it. Uh, some of you have already given cards. So you can, you can sit and sing and, 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 and pray. Or if you want to come forward and just pray over the box. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But my hope is that this, this moment will be a moment of worship. It'll be a moment where in humility we, we commit together to something that's greater than ourselves. And by faith we commit to risk and to sacrifice for the sake of lost people. And, um, and I hope it's a defining moment uh, in your relationship to God and your spiritual growth and discipleship and your understanding of stewardship and your commitment to the cause of, of Jesus, the mission that he's given us to the world. In the process, remember... God has gone all in for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And now it's time for us to go on for Him. Let me pray. Our Father, we, um, when we think of what Jesus has done for us, the sacrifice that He has made, 
his life given for us. We who deserve nothing have been given everything. Graciously given forgiveness, healing, restoration, hope, joy, life everlasting. As we think of the sacrifice of those early followers um, who gave what they had to the church for the good of the mission, for the good of the gospel, but who gave even the greatest, the greatest thing ever asked of anyone, and that it was they gave their life. And even today as we think of believers all around the world who, who experience persecution because of their faith in Jesus. As I think of my commitment today, it, it kind of pales in comparison to all of that. And yet I realize you've called me, you've called me to be responsible for me and for my family. And that's true for all of us in this room. And life is short. We have one chance to live it well and to commit ourselves to something greater than ourselves. And so we offer these to you as, as a sacrifice, um, as a commitment to making a difference in our world. We offer them and we worship you. And we realize you don't want to cool us off, you want to heat us up. I pray you would do that by the power of your spirit and work in your people even now. In Jesus' name. Father, I know that your, your, your desire for the church is not to cool us down, but to heat us up. Um, to move among us in such a way that we commit ourselves more fully, sacrificially, willing to risk for the sake of those who are lost, for the sake of those who are broken, for the sake of those who are exploited, for the sake of those who are, who are poor, um, for the sake of those who are lonely and disconnected. Um, you've called us to be the church. There is no plan B. And our world desperately needs your people to step up and, and make a difference. And our hope, Lord, our goal, our desire is to do that here um, through our ministries, uh, locally, regionally, and globally. And Lord, I just pray that you would, be, you would be pleased and honored by what you've seen today, that you would use this, this people, these people here, uh, my friends, uh, to make a spiritual difference. Um, in the lives of so many. Uh, now may your hand of grace and peace rest on your people, the church, and we love you, and we offer our lives to you, our God, who can do imaginably more than we could ever, than we could ever think possible. Um, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.